You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, visit InsideActingPodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 107 of Inside Acting. My name is Trevor Algott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast we sit down and chat with actors and writers and uh, MTV VJs <laughs> and uh, various hosts and financial gurus and producers and filmmakers and anybody and everybody all around the entertainment industry. Anybody who's really having success in the industry. And then we uh, package it up in this podcast and put it out there on the internet for free every week or mostly every week-ish for you. And as we've said uh, eh, a few times before, we are just two dudes with the podcast, so we don't pretend to uh, know it all. And, uh, you know, we started this podcast because we're looking for the answers, not because we have them. And so we encourage you to get involved with the conversation. We've got some emails on today's episode, so thank you for that contribution. Feel free to reach out to us. Best place to get started is at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. Absolutely. And on today's episode, we have part two of our epic chat with Caduce Philippe. Epic. And uh, this is going to be one for the books, guys. So, uh, so sit tight. We talk about pitching. We talk about all sorts of great stuff. So sit tight for that. Alrighty. Well, how are you, my brother? Hey, dude. What's I guess I guess on? we skipped a week. We're not going to apologize. No, no apologies. I know we always get yelled at when we apologize. Stop apologizing. <laughs> Although you know our, our our commitment is every week, and and uh, I have to say it's a pet peeve of mine when I listen to a podcast that's independently produced, kind of guerrilla style, and they come back every week and they're like, "Well, it's been a while, guys, and here's why." And story, 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 story. And I'm always like, just give me the episode, man. No story, man. Here we just, go. Yeah. Just dive right in. Yeah. What's new in your world, my friend? Uh, a lot, man. A lot. I mean, we I have we even put together a little list here before we started recording. Um, but I thought we'd talk. We'd start off by just kind of uh, taking a moment to acknowledge uh, the unfortunate passing of a of a great man. Yeah. Uh, so this past uh, was it last week, I think. Um, we got news that uh, Gary Gardner, who was one of my professors at UCLA, um, who also directed um, a show for the Los Angeles Theater Ensemble, uh, Ensemble Trevor and my theater company, and just an, um, like not only an amazing man, but an amazing theater artist and so loving and so funny. And anybody who knew him was just like absolutely enamored by this man. Um, he leaves behind a trail of hilarious, terrible, disgusting jokes, and <laughs> I've heard uh, stories. Yeah, I've heard and, stories. And just you know, anyone who knew him loved him. Like I don't know a single person who didn't, who wasn't just in, in, absolutely in love with him. And he, he was just such a nice man, and always believed in you, and would mm. you know he get he would give you shit, but he would also be very. Um, encouraging and empowering. And I thought it would be apt to talk about him because A, it's the passing of a great theater artist, and B, it's kind of crazy because we just talked about him on the podcast. And for those listeners who don't remember, he was actually mentioned as being instrumental in the career choice of Mr. Larry Cedar, who yeah. was our guest r right before Caduce, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, so I, I thought we would take a moment to kind of acknowledge him and 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 talk about his his legacy a little bit. I think I only had one class with him. No, uh, I take it back. Two classes with him. One one regular class and one summer class, some mm-hmm. summer school class. They were two of my favorite classes. They were so much fun, and I learned so much. Um, he taught this history of the American Musical Theater class during the summer, which just had him like you know singing show tunes and. Ethel Merman and telling stories about, you know, things that he just knew yeah. from, from, from being around that world for so long. And then the other class was like a class on, I think, deconstruction or something like that. Like we learned about Pinter and it was really weird. Uh, deconstruction of scripts or, or no, the deconstructionist or... movement oh, in theater. Okay. Um, cool. so we learned about Pinter and the one, the one thing I remember about that, uh, class is that technically La Boheme, the, the, the opera is a deconstructionist opera and a bunch of my, a bunch of my friends who were in musical theater with me decided that for our final project, we were just going to sing songs from Rent <laughs> because it's based on La Boheme okay. and we knew that Gary loved musicals and uh-huh. like it worked. Like we just did songs from Rent. Like that was our final project and it huh. was like... This is based on La Boheme, which is a decrypt. Like, it was ridiculous. Like, all we did was go in and sing show tunes, but um, we passed. Um, no way, no theater actor's <clears throat> ever done that for their final project. Right? Ever. It, no. Yeah. It, this is why... Okay. This, is exa- this story is, like, the exact reason why people are always, like, actors don't work, one, and, and theater majors don't, you know, do anything to earn their grades, too. Like that type of story, people are like, whatever, you just like da 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 during your college. I'm like, bitch, I worked hard. Like, oh, I was talking to a friend because I want to uh, start a, a daily meditation practice like I know you've been doing lately. <clears throat> and I told him that part of why I haven't is because I've been so used to this go, 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 go um, of that, that uh, the habit of which started when I was in college because I would literally have like I, I did the math once and I, I would have I never had a week that wasn't less than 60 hours and usually was up around 80 of of something class because i had i had a part-time job when i was in college class and rehearsals and being a musical theater student at ucla means you're taking i think i've talked about this on the podcast before but you're taking you're in a sort of conservatory environment but it's a ba so you're taking ge classes plus like a ton of studio classes and if you're a musical theater student, you're also taking dance classes and private voice lessons. Mm-hmm. And then if you're in a show, you're in rehearsal, plus I had a part-time job. Yeah. So we're talking like, you know, 80-hour right. yeah. weeks. It's like two full-time jobs. And a couple of those classes were Gary Gardner. Thank you, Gary. Uh, you met him a couple of times around the ensemble, right? Yeah, he, he did he did a lot. A, not, not a little bit, not a lot, but he did work with the ensemble. And uh, and he, he always made a point of seeking me out specifically to... <sighs> just say some really nice things about my work. And, and I, I never worked with him directly. He actually asked me to audition for one of his projects repeatedly. Actually, mm. he was, he was very um, intent on, on having me audition for this one part for a show the ensemble did. And I, I was just at the point where I needed to take a break and I really wished I had, I had worked with him because everybody uh, that worked with him had amazing, wonderful things to say. I've heard, yeah. I've seen a lot of Facebook posts about people saying that he's instrumental in their development as an artist. The way I felt around him was always a, a really perfect kind of beautiful combination of like hopeful and responsible. I just hit a great energy, man. And, uh, the world is a much better place with him having been in it. 
So Gary, we'll, we miss you and we will continue to miss you. And, uh, thank you for the uh, contribution you made to countless actors Mm -hmm. and other artists lives. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, what is new in our worlds? Uh, real quick, I, I did a fringe show this, this past month, I guess. Uh, Hollywood Fringe is, is just a big theater festival, essentially. It all takes place within, I think, about a square mile or so in the city, right down in Theater Row in Hollywood. And a bunch of theaters just put on like dozens of shows. The, sa- the main stage for this year's fringe festival is the Open Fist Theater on Santa Monica in Hollywood. There's like tables of full of postcards out in the lobby. Hmm. Uh, by the way, Open Fist is a very cool venue i had never it been in there it's very cool yeah um one of the better 99 seat venues i've i've been in yeah. it's, it's like it's very like kind of rough but also like they got like tons of resources like a nice facility yeah uh, you, know anyway, who, you know who directs there <clears throat> all the time is bjorn johnson yeah yeah, yeah i who, saw that yeah iap alum yeah so yeah i did a show with uh, a friend that a friend that a friend wrote a show and it's a radio <laughs> it was like a radio play it was it was really fun um i felt good about the work i did and i had fun with it and a lot of people came out to see it. Tell me about uh, what happened this week, because uh, okay, you so had a, a unique I have, first time for this yeah. So I, okay, I have a quick, I have a quick time experience. I have a quick story that I want to get to and get off of because it's it, it hasn't happened yet. But um, uh, I, I was invited to the NBC uh, Diversity Showcase this year, two years ago and three years ago. So two years in a row, but they skipped last year. Um, I got invited to the ABC diversity showcase, which basically meant that I just went to ABC's, uh, you know, offices and auditioned <clears throat> by reading some random scene that they picked, um, with one of the casting assistants or something like that. And they put me on tape. Uh, every network, every major network does these diversity showcases every year. I don't know how I get invited to them. I'm guessing that my manager or agent submits me and then I get invited. They essentially audition, uh, ethnically diverse actors. Um, it's probably some PC thing that they do, but it's great to get in front of, you know, casting directors. And and I think the producers of the networks look at them as well. So that's always a good that's always a good thing and I, I I didn't get invited to ABC last year this year but I got invited to NBC this year which is different um, NBC just has people put themselves on tape and submit the video link so okay. <clears throat> which I thought was also kind of weird if you go into a room and a casting assistant puts you on tape and then some producer watches that what's the difference maybe the quality but even then like I've seen the cameras that they use in those rooms they're not better than my iPhone right you know which is what I'm going to yeah. ultimately end up using to to do the video so felt good about the I had, I'm putting oh, myself you, you haven't I'm, done it yet. I'm putting myself on tape tomorrow I see okay yeah, yeah. With, with what a monologue they or? sent um like six scenes for you to choose from and I'm just yeah I'm still trying to decide between a couple of them and eh, I'll put myself on tape tomorrow so okay yeah that's that. Cool. So um, just wanted to tell that story. The other story that I have is, yes, I did have a first for any actor, I guess, but for myself as an actor, which was I got invited randomly and totally at the last minute, which I was kind of like, really, guys? <clears throat> I got an email from, I think it was the director's assistant to go to a screening of Broken Horses. Yeah. Which was your film you did fe- with... Uh- Victor D'Onofrio. Victor D'Onofrio, yes. Thank you, Trevor. You're never going to let me live that down. No. The movie is amazing. It's really beautiful. It's beautifully shot. It's very emotional. It's like really intense. I was like, you know, I don't want to say at the edge of my seat, but like feeling like my gut just like, ugh, like somebody's punching me in the gut, long and slow punches in the gut, like the entire movie. Um, wow. And it doesn't let up. Like there's, there's no relief. And my line was the comic relief i had i had one line that was written in the script and then a couple that they added one day when i was on set 
And all of my... The bad news is that all of my lines got cut. No. I have no lines in this movie. Oh, bummer, man. But there's two, two things. Number one, great experience. Number two, um, I'm in the cast list still. Like, they put uh-huh. me in the, in the credits. I'm not, like, an extra, so I'm in you the still credits. Got, you get the IMDb credit I still credit get the credit. That, yeah. I still get the IMDb credit. And I think that that means that I'm still a principal. And so if there's ever yeah. any residuals on this, I'll, I'll get them. And more good news is that I talked to Vinod afterwards, and he said that the response for the film has been really, really good. They've been screening it in different places. This screening was at UTA, which I'll talk about in a moment. It, there's been some talk about distribution from Warner Brothers. Kick ass. So if it gets a theatrical release, that would be <laughs> amazing. You know what I love, too, is like if you, if you go back to old movies and old episodes of certain TV shows, and you look in the background, if you look at the background actors and... You see like Bruce Willis hanging out back there and you see like all these, all these guys before they were huge stars were just doing exactly what you're doing. You know, maybe they had a few lines that were cut or they were just the ma- a featured, you know, background actor and, and then they kind of, you know, worked their way up like, like, um, Brian, uh, Cranston, his IMDb resume is like, you know, it's like a good 40 credits long, but like 35 of them are like police guy number two you know like <laughs> reporter number four like it's just all that stuff and then all of a sudden it was like malcolm in the middle that's how careers built yeah more is on the way more is on the way and My and friend. you know with with uh life partners i'm in the trailer like i don't think they're cutting those lines <laughs> they showed it at can and it became one of the top 20 movies to watch at can at the at just the, based on the teaser mm-hmm. go like their facebook page uh facebook.com slash <laughs> Life partners, I think we'll put a link okay. on the on the website. I do want to briefly just acknowledge the experience that that we both were able to share this weekend. <laughs> Trevor and I did a men's only training this weekend, and it was focused on the body practice, meaning many of the exercises were us moving or dancing or something like a fool around a room, <laughs> and that doesn't sound like much, but. What it led to was incredible. When I saw you dancing around like a fool <laughs> on that last day, I was literally jumping yeah. up and down. I was so excited because it's true. Like I, I, you were so happy and free and light and like, oh my god, it was amazing. I'm like, I can't. Uh, that's cool. Like, take that guy into the audition room and see if yeah. you don't book something. You know. Well, there's there's <clears> my <throat> breakthrough. You know, I, and I, I will allude to this when I talk about my pick of the week, but. Um, you know, I, I picked up a lot of different things. The workshop was really all about the dif- the different energies that we carry around as as dudes, you know, and how different that mm-hmm. is from the feminine experience of of life, and how you know they're balanced and they complement each other, and how we get to be conscious of those energies and transition between them, and and almost like just understanding the tool set so that we can use it more efficiently and effectively in our lives. And it was so physical that I that I really loved getting out of my head and into my body because I'm the kind of guy who loves to read. I love to listen to lectures and trainings, and I, I like to just feed my brain, right? And the body often gets neglected in that experience yes. of implementing it into your life. And this was very primal in that way. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you know, like if I were somebody not familiar with this kind of work listening in, I'd be like, oh, guys, it sounds a little sketchy. And like, you know, primal, a bunch of dudes in a room dancing. I don't know. But it actually was really powerful. And of all the concepts that we learned, there was one that she that she um, talked about. And she kept saying multiple times with the training, where in your life can you use more of this? And mm-hmm. the answer was so immediate for me every time it was in my not acting strangely enough, or maybe not strangely enough, but acting slash filmmaking. 
I'm really starting to almost involuntarily look at myself as an actor filmmaker. Mm. Um, it really feels like, uh, I'm being pulled in that direction. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to Emily after this training and I, I was telling her about this and she said, you know, I don't think you're ever going to be fulfilled in this industry, in this career path. If you're not making your own stuff, she said, I see you getting cast and stuff and working on other people's projects and having fun. She's like, but at the end of the day, you're still going to have that hunger. That piece of you mm-hmm. is going to be unsatisfied until you're, 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 you're exercising your kind of vision, you mm-hmm. know, uh, as far as like the stories that you want to tell and how you want to tell them. And, and, and I, I thought I, I really discovered that this, this weekend and, and being in the body and be, and getting to that free place and just playing, just like playing and not caring what it looked like. That was huge, huge breakthrough. And I started having all these, my brain started firing off all these ideas and thoughts about how that could be applied to a creative calling, uh-huh. like, like acting or, or, or painting or music or whatever it is you do, but especially acting because it's such an intimate physical uh, way to connect with people. I'm going to assign our homework for the week. Yes. Um, and I would say it's something along the lines of spend 30 minutes at least doing something you used to do as a child, whether it's playing with Legos, playing with cars, playing hide and go seek, playing tag, doing something that, you know, jumping over, you know, objects, you know, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. uh, hopscotch. I mean, just find, do something 30 minutes and then at least 15, 20, 30 minutes dancing, just throw on some Daft Punk, throw on some, mm-hmm. you know, tribal music if you got it, throw Close on some the blinds like, if you need to. Yeah, and just dance your ass off for, you know, for 15 minutes. You Follow will, the body's impulses. Yes, and Man. it will ch- it will change yeah, everything. Like That's you powerful. will be so happy. Yeah. It's just going to make you so happy. And then, and then <laughs> and then get your ass into basic and advanced <laughs> so you can take great yeah, so you can take it, yeah, because right. because uh, there, I mean there's more to it than just moving, you know, there's more like it's purposeful in the in the uh in the ex- exploration. But start there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, start with that homework for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and there was and you're right, man. There was a lot about telling stories mm-hmm. in there. Um and 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 that we do that as human beings. And used to do it in a much more ritualistic way. And that's the other thing is like, we don't really have rituals in this culture. You know, yeah. like, God, I was so excited about that aspect of it. We just, you know, our rituals are going to Starbucks every morning and buying a, yeah. buying a coffee. Like that's a our ritual. rituals are checking Facebook and ignoring the world around us yeah. on our phones. You yeah. Know? So it, it made me realize how lucky I am to be the kind of person who likes to go camp. I'm going to uh, Yosemite here in a few weeks, um, which you know, uh, as our listeners may remember, I actually recorded an episode from there yeah, once, you know, back in the day, <laughs> uh, way back in the day. Like, it's just something you got to get away, yeah. you know, um, yeah. and sit around a fire and, and tell stories and go fishing and be quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, re- so I'm really exci- excited about starting, uh, my daily meditation practice, which I started this morning actually. Um, so I'll let I you guys know how that I goes. I cannot <laughs> wait to talk to you about that in a week and just see where you are kind of like in the mental space, <laughs> because I know for me, it's been huge to, yeah. to just implement that into my day. You know, Hugh Jackman is, he meditates for 20 minutes a day, twice a day. And he says it is the only thing that keeps him sane and keeps him really grounded. And, and, and probably, I don't think he says this, but explicitly, but successful, like he almost credits his success for the meditation practice. I'll, um, 
I'll add on to that and say that our mutual friend, Wes, who's going to be supporting me with this, said that um, there's this quote, and I'm bastardizing it uh, because I don't know it by heart, but there's this quote from Gandhi, who, and he says, I don't want to waste a single, he's like, I cannot waste a single minute of this day of these, of the, you know, the next few days or the next whatever few weeks. So because of that, because I don't want to waste an, a, a single moment, I definitely need to start meditating for three hours instead of two. <laughs> I definitely yeah. need to start meditating for three hours instead of two. He you know? said that? He, yeah. Something along those lines. But basically like I was like, I, I was like, talking to Wes about my fears around it, about, you know, not getting things done and stuff. And he said, it does so many things for your mind. Mm. You become so clear, so creative. So, you know, it supports you in so many ways that, you know, it's almost, he said, it's more restful than sleep even Mm. because Mm -hmm. of what you're letting go of and the fact that you are active in it. Like sleep is passive. Sleep is inactive, but it's, but meditation is active. So if you're actively resting, you know, it stands to reason. Oh my God. It stands to reason that you would be building more rest muscles than if Uh you were inactively sleeping. Oh, and we get, and we get to spend time about this on this next week. There's a huge conversation here. A huge chat. All right. So check in, uh, you know, episode 108, <laughs> when we become gurus. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. We're going to start off every episode with ohms. Yeah, right? Yeah. And we're like, that's it. I'm done. I'm, yeah. I, I already was checking out when they were talking about transformation stuff. Now they're doing ohms. Yeah. I'm out. Can you have I'm negative out. subscribers? <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, uh, anyway, so we've got like, uh, we, uh, we just talked way too much uh, or not enough. Uh, but we we only have a few minutes left, so I'm going to suggest that we jump down to the really the one question that we we have three that we wanted to chat about on this episode. But there was one that we alluded to last week um, that I thought maybe we we touch on. Um, Tiffany wrote in, and she um, had some kind of nuts and bolts <clears throat> questions about her thrival job. Essentially, she she says um, her business is called Mini Me Assisting. Tiffany, by the way, is a patron of the podcast. Hello, Tiffany. Thank you very much. You're a lovely, <laughs> lovely person. Uh, and she actually came to your your thesis statement as yes. well. That's where I met her. And she's really sweet. Yeah. Um, she says, my business is called Mini Me Assisting. She's a personal assistant. I do admin work from a remote location for filmmakers as a virtual assistant, which is pretty awesome. Uh, I'm about to officially file my paperwork with the state of California for my business. And I keep going back and forth about whether I should file as an LLC or just file as a DBA and work as a sole proprietor. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the kind of rest of her email here because I think it's got some good info. Yeah. She says, the sole proprietor option seems easiest, because, it, but it scares me a little bit because I technically already file as a sole propri- proprietorship with my acting. The thought of being audited is terrifying to me and I think to everybody. So I wouldn't want to raise any red flags by filing two small businesses under my name, especially when neither one will probably have a significant income this year. Everything about the LLC option sounds great, except that I keep finding information about a minimum $800 tax from the state of California. And then she even provided a link uh, from uh, like a government website. Since you both operate your own thrival jobs, she, she continues, I, and I assume you've both gone through tax season with personal taxes and two business taxes, acting and thrival job, I'm curious which entity your businesses are and what you might recommend to someone who is about to start their own thrival business. So, mm-hmm. uh, wow, awesome question, and thank you for the clarity of the question. Yeah. It really supports us in responding. It supports us in responding, yes, yeah. exactly. So, um, 
I, I can tell you have something. You have some, something to chime in. So. I, I have I, I have the information that I think you'll <laughs> want to know. The eight hundred dollar tax uh, is not is not a tax. It's a fee. It's a business license fee, and it is real. That being said, well, and the other thing that's that's challenging about starting an LLC is it's it's challenging to actually do your taxes um, because you have to file um, what's called a Schedule K, I think, um, and that is challenging for someone who doesn't do their own taxes, and you might end up having to pay more uh, to do your taxes. So let's just say um, it's going to cost you $1,200, $1,300 to do your taxes every year with if you include the fee and the, uh, the the cost of paying like a CPA or somebody to, yeah. to do your business taxes. So let's just say that that's your, your, your bill. Now, <clears throat> the good news about this and the reason that people do it, especially these days, is you can use any business, whether it's an LLC, uh, a C-Corp, um, uh, what are some of the other examples? An escort. Escort, yeah. Um, you can use your business as a tax shield. So what I mean by that is when you have people make checks out to Mini-Me Assisting, um, uh, it's as if they're paying your business. So they're paying your business the income. And businesses can't be taxed on 1099 income, which is what you'd be receiving. So 1099 miscellaneous cash income. That doesn't have taxes being pulled out of it by uh, the IRS automatically, like you would have with a W two, a W four from a, from a from a, a business that you clocked in and clocked out at, like if you were working retail or something like that. So what happens is they write the check to your business, and then you can pay yourself as an employee of your business. It's called a loan out. You actually pay yourself from your business. So your business pays you. So they pay your business. Your business pays you. And here's where it everything comes full circle. You don't pay any taxes on that money that your business is paying you. So you so you're using the business as a tax shield. Um, for the 1099 income that you're receiving um, to your to your business. So um, a lot of my friends have started, you know, Ben Whitehair, uh, who's been on the podcast, Ryan Basham, who's been on the podcast. They both have their own companies now. Uh, Ben's is a very clever name. His last name is Whitehair. His business name is Albino Rabbit. White hair. Um, <clears throat> Nicely done. And then uh, Ryan's is just the Basham company. And they they that's what they're doing. Um, Ryan started it very specifically when he started a side job working for the company Lyft, L-Y-F-T, which we talked about on the podcast before. They pay all of their drivers using 1099, uh, just miscellaneous. It's a, you're, you're, you're a private um, independent contractor. So as an independent contractor, you're going to be receiving 1099 income. I worked for a... Um, Children's theater one year got paid 1099 income the entire time. It did not save any receipts, got my taxes done and got screwed big time. I owed, I owed thousands of dollars at the end of the year because I didn't save any receipts and didn't write anything off. Um, now, if you're going to go with the sole proprietor thing, the best thing that you can do is write off everything against your business because you're not paying taxes. So you need to show the IRS that you, that you use that income to put back into the economy. So you're writing off your mileage, you're writing off, uh, your, 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 um, seeking gainful employment mileage. Um, you're writing off, uh, business, any business expenses, you're writing off, uh, lunches. You're writing, if you're working from home using your computer, you're writing off your computer, you're writing off your internet, you're writing off your phone, like all that stuff to try and bring down your taxable income. Um, so that you aren't taxed as much on the 1099 income that you brought 
in. Mm. Um, and that will save you a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Um, there was one other thing I was going to say, and I can't remember, but you had something uh, well, you want to add to this. I, I wanted to jump in. First of all, Miata Hidoga talks a lot about this in her offerings for actors, financial education for actors. So I know that's a fantastic resource. And we talk a little <clears> bit <throat> about this topic specifically in her episode. So it might be worth revisiting those. I don't know the number of the episodes offhand, but you can just search our, our site for it's Miata. It's in the singles, I think. Hidoga. Right? Uh, I think it's around... Th- 30 something. Maybe. Oh, really? Maybe. I'm okay. not sure. It's early. It's, it's early, early, early. It's early. early. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so she's got a lot to say about this, uh, especially, you know, going LLC versus DBA. By the way, LLC stands for Limited Liability Corporation or Limited, Limited Liability Company, and DBA stands for Doing Business As. And she recommends uh, if you're an actor setting up a DBA. Um, and that could even just be as simple as just your name. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I wanted to say here to kind of just move out of that real quick was, uh, when we, when I had my taxes done this year, I went to the same woman you went to over at, uh, Chuck Sloan. Yeah. And uh, I asked her about this and she said, yeah, you can do it. Um, she said, I don't know a ton about it. And she said, but, uh, I wouldn't recommend going the LLC route until you're making like six years a year. Uh, otherwise it's just like the, the, the costs associated with it and, and all that stuff is just doesn't quite make a lot of num- numerical sense. But I feel like I'm not getting the whole story there because Ryan and Ben both do it. And um, mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I feel like there's more that I'm just not aware of. But a tax professional did say to me, look into it some more because if you're not making like, you know, six figures a year, it may not be worth it for you. There's a lot of people so. out there who can support you with this. I mean, you can even, you know, go over to, you know, Chuck Sloan's office and talk to one. There's, he has somebody, I have her card somewhere actually with a website on it that's probably got more information. But there are a lot of tax professionals out there who'd be willing to, you know, give you some information probably for free, I would hope. To, the whole tax shield thing is is, is why they do it because yeah. spending $800 on the fee and a few hundred dollars to actually get your taxes done would be less than, than the taxes that you would pay on that, um, 1099 income. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing you can do with 1099 income, if you, if you just go with the DBA, if you just go the DBA slash sole proprietor route is you can make quarterly payments, which I know a lot of people do where you literally just write a check to the, uh, IRS, um, uh, four times a year. And you just, you just literally like write it to the IRS. Mm-hmm. You write your, um, Estimated. social security, yeah. you write your social security number on it. You write it out to the IRS. You do like an estimated tax payment. And then you put it in an envelope addressed to the IRS and then it just yeah. goes away and they cash it. But they um, they track that. It's as if you were paying taxes um, that were being withheld on your income every two weeks or every month, depending yeah. on you know where you work. All right. We went way too long. So we've got two more emails that we're going to uh, push to the next episode. But we're excited to chat about them. Uh, but for now, let's jump into our second and final part uh, of our chat with Caduce. Rock and roll. All right, guys. Here's Caduce Philippe, MTV VJ. We're jumping into mid-conversation here, but uh, really good stuff ahead. So enjoy. We'll catch you on the other side. You've had your chance at so many different things in the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. which is such a cool blessing, you know, that you've gotten those opportunities, but you've gotten to do all of these different, wear all these different hats and, and be involved in the entertainment industry in so many different ways. So I'm just wondering, 
Well, two things. One, if, if writing is something that you're still doing, and two, um, what you enjoy the most. Uh, well, it's funny. The writing actually is what, what led to my first acting gig because um, I wrote a blog after I did um, some charity work, and it was really when I started to realize that that was the most fulfilling thing I could possibly do with my time. I, I, was, I came off doing it. I was a Habitat for Humanity project, and um, oh, and it was uh, Keep the Drive. It was a campaign to bring awareness to how texting and driving was causing more death in youth than anything else in this country. So doing wow. those two things really sparked this uh, passion for um, – it was really a rediscovered passion. Because at the time, you know, when I started the biz, it was to make a difference. It was because my mom was that inspiration for me. And then along the way, being in the epicenter of pop culture, I started to really kind of forget what that was – uh, really at the core of what I wanted to do. So then, you know, I wrote this blog as a result of doing this charity work, bring myself back to that initial intention for this whole thing. And I wrote this blog called A Love Manifesto. And it was really just speaking to that point that no matter what show I've been on, that charity work that I was doing was the best I've ever felt. And so um, my manager at the time made a point of sending that blog that i wrote to the head writer of girlfriends on the cw no way um just check out this blog post he wrote yeah and and i i I don't know it was it was a pretty visionary move on her part to think maybe this depth that he showed in this blog will inspire this writer to write a character about him and sure enough they did Wow. What? Okay. So, so, so homework. Yeah. Homework. Everybody start a blog right now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. The well, hang kid. on. Hang on. Do you don't start a blog because you think that's the way to the right? Way right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but that's. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, that was that was uh, that was what inspired this this writer, the creator of uh, Girlfriends, uh, the co-creator, and she she wrote this character Xander, and Xander was an activist on the UCLA campus. And it was me, you know. She even wrote in my voice. I mean, it was a lot of of the lines were things that I've actually said. How cool. Um, And so I remember still needing to audition for the role that I inspired. (laughs) All right? So so I remember going in the room and all the producers knew, you know, exactly who I was. And they were just like, just do you, you know. And and that's what I did. And I got the role. Um, And so that was my first, like, I think legit acting gig. Uh, which was just playing me um, with the name Alexander, and uh, you know, as if I was still in college. But uh, Q, Q, Q wasn't uh, exotic enough. Yeah, I know, was going to say. X. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, that was a great experience, though. I, I remember. Uh, well, the the love interest um, being my character came in. Persia White's character. Um, was who I was involved with for these two episodes. I was, I was supposed to do a reoccurring thing with them, but then the writer strike hit. Um, but the first episode, I remember getting the script and seeing that there was like a love scene. There was like an implied love scene where I you know, made out with her on the bed. And, and it turned well, Persia in real life is was engaged to my my good friend Saul Williams. So this was one of these things that actors, you know, sometimes they have your love scenes and you, you wonder how they deal if they got uh-huh. a, a relationship on the side or whatever. And so sure enough, I was faced with the situation that the love interest, the girl that I was supposed to make out with in the show is engaged to my boy. So I call my friend. Wow. I'm, like, I'm like, yo, is this okay with you? Because I don't want to mess around and upset you because I'm making out with your girl on set a whole lot. Uh, and he was like, dude, come on. Yeah, he's an actor, too. He's an actor and a poet. And so he was like, I get it. Go ahead and be professional. 
don't don't you go hugging up on her lax strap the, the tech has just happened but uh sure enough though it was uh it was cool it was cool it was cool and, and she was cool about it we were like brother and sister by the end of the shoot and um really great experience and you know the acting thing is definitely something uh i'm always open to I'm, you know i'm just open in general obviously i have a, a clear idea of uh, my main goals, but then if somebody's going to offer me an interesting role on the side, I wouldn't mind it. But writing is definitely something that I'm absolutely back in the pocket of because um, that's what I went to school for. I was I was uh, a writer, you know, from from jump. Really, uh, I always loved, you know, just any any thing that inspired me. I felt like I wrote a poem about it at some point in my life, you know. Um, and so that that's never going to leave, you know. If you're a writer, I, th- I distinctly remember feeling very at home with the pen and pad. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started writing. And so I'm definitely going to make a point of doing that more. I just remembered that we talked about you, or you told me that you just went to a like a writer's boot camp or something like that recently, yeah. right? I, yeah. I just remembered that. So it's all, it's funny, it's all coming together. That's yeah, cool. yeah. It was uh, an amazing workshop that Rebecca Walker gave out in Maui. And uh, Rebecca Walker is Alice Walker's daughter. Alice Walker wrote The Color Purple. And, you know, Rebecca's gone on to create her own lane altogether from that shadow that she lived in. Uh, and she now is New York Times bestseller two times over and written wow. now, I think, four or five great you know, books and a uh, brilliant woman. And so she um, opened up this workshop uh, to uh, the people that... Um, you know, where it was selected, I was selected as uh, one of the most inspiring people um, that uses uh, tech to inspire and influence people by Dell or whatever. It's such oh, a, yeah, that yeah, was Dell, recently. No, it was last year. Yeah, it was last year. Okay. Um, and so she was one of the people that was nominated as well or given this honor. Yeah. And so uh, that's how I came in touch with her. And so she made a point of we had a private uh, group on Facebook created of the people that were selected for uh-huh. this, this, this honor. And so I saw her post about this workshop and signed up for it. Definitely one of the best creative experiences of my life, you know. And, I, you know, as this is a blog uh, uh, podcast geared towards, you know, young actors, I think it's imperative that, that everybody out there create their own content and make a point of, you know, figuring out what their voice is and what they want to tell the world, you know, uh, yeah. and go ahead and do that and not wait for the jobs. Because if you look at, I mean, so many success stories in the acting world, are, are you really look at like the people that are the creators and you know, the people that are like the ones that just go ahead and do it you know like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon come to mind and the way they wrote Goodwill Hunting right mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of examples like that you know uh, and you know even if you're just looking to like get, get a better reel going I mean that's an opportunity to think about like a scene or two you don't have to go ahead and write a whole full length feature yeah just shoot a page yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so anyway yeah writing has been awesome and uh yeah, you mentioned in terms of like all the different hats I've worn. I mean, I, I love them all. You know, to be honest, with you. I love I love producing because it gives me the ability to like really see a project all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've now produced you know a handful of things that I'm really proud of, and uh, I can say it's because I really I was able to actually conceive them, and then you know put all the pieces together, and then also be on the, in the edit. You know, I've, I've learned how to do Final Cut edit, and so. That's given me a language to be able to, you know, repartee with my editors and be able to, like, come up with something by the end that I really feel an ownership with and uh, really feel an investment in. And, like, I can only imagine, like, the frustration of an actor who puts his heart and soul into these, you know, scenes and then the the editor or producer take it in a direction that that actor is not happy with ultimately. And I know that that's not going to be me. Like, you know... I, I'm, ultimate, I'm ultimately one of these guys. Maybe I'm a little bit controlling in that way, um, but I do like to 
to make sure that I can really put my stamp on something, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think if I, if I say there's of all these different things, directing, acting, producing is to me the best because I get to really see something all the way through and mm-hmm. even be involved in the marketing aspects. Every aspect of the process is important, you know? And, um, and acting, you know, it's great. It's so fulfilling and you get to really take on a different life, you know, in, in the scope of this role. But like, it's, uh, you know, Johnny Depp doesn't even watch his films now because he, and I think he has a thing about that too. It's like, he, you know, he can't help but to like scream if he feels like, you mm-hmm. know, it's not what he envisioned on screen, you know? And, um, so yeah, I, you know, it's definitely, uh, producing is definitely calling me now more than anything else. And I have different things that I have, like I have a slate of things now that I'm looking to kick into full production with. And, um, it gets me fired up to think about every aspect of the process, not just stepping on with someone else's words to do, you know, um, that's not to dissuade actors. My God, it's like such an integral and beautiful career to choose, but it's one where it has its frustrations as well, you know, and so does producing, but Mm -hmm. those are, those are all conversations that I I roll up my sleeves for and, you know, I find a a real ownership in. So that's cool. That's cool. So on the, on the DIY track, uh, and you and I've spoken just a, a little bit about this, uh, on, I think on the phone the other week, but, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about pitching. Because mm. you've 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 uh, you've developed a bunch of kind of projects and, and successfully pitched them, mm-hmm. uh, and I think most of them are kind of more on the reality side of things. Yeah. Am, I, am I correct? Totally. Yeah. So, but but uh, I imagine that the skill set's probably the same. So, yeah. can you walk us through what a what a pitch is like for you from from conception of the idea all the way through to the actual absolutely I guess, sale? Yep. Yeah. yeah. It uh, really comes down to um, well, it's different in every case. I think depending yeah. on uh, what audience you have in the room. Um, and what your idea is, you know, whether it's something that, um, for one of my shows, I literally explained it in 30 seconds. It was sold, <laughs> you know, it was, it Must was, be nice. yeah, it was this, yeah, I came up with this hidden camera show, um, that we're doing with this premium YouTube channel called loud. Um, and it, it was with Electus that it was a you know, partnership that we had. And, um, so Electus and I, we already had a relationship because we just come off doing the Q side with them for the same YouTube channel. And the Q and, side, just for people who don't know, is, is oh, like the Q a, side is my show. Your show where you and you host. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a really simple show. It's it's a very organic uh, alternative entertainment news show where we take it out of the box a little bit and we allow you to experience these you know favorite stars of yours in their element more mm-hmm. and uh, doing what they love to do and not this these junket interviews that have a little bit of a uh, you know a stiff vibe to them. So we shake it up have a little bit more fun um so we did a season of that with them so it was a warm audience you know so at that point they were open to pretty much anything i had to say so it was like i said different case than when we walked in with the q side you know new partnership being formed different you know level of experience with that person but with the hidden camera show just to kind of put the put the uh uh, what am i looking that word that word oh the button yeah thank you aj (laughs) Sat, he sat by knowing the word I, for at least point two seconds I before not, saying it. I did not. Is it button? Yeah. Is that what you're looking for? That's it. And so, um, you know, I, I walked in feeling great, knowing these guys, knowing the shorthand that we had now with them, and just saying, okay, here's the idea. You know, obviously we live in a world where hot girls get away with shit. I love and this show. And I want to do a show I've seen exposing it. hot girls getting away with shit. <laughs> so funny. It's and so, so funny. I mean, it's, it's a very simple idea, right? But yeah. the best pitches are when you can simplify your idea. Uh-huh. And so 
that's why log lines are so important. That's why, you know, knowing, for example, what kind of actor you are, I know that's a huge thrust of the conversation as, you know, new actors come in figuring out, okay, well, what am I going to be cast in, you know, for the first wave of my career? And then you can start to stretch out. Um, but yeah, it's understanding, like, what exactly are you dealing with? So it's having a knowledge of the marketplace. Uh, I think that's imperative for anybody that's going into a pitch because if you go into a pitch, really excited about an idea that's already been done you're gonna have egg on your face by the end of the meeting because they're gonna be like oh yeah that was on a and e three seasons ago you know whatever like right so it's like really having done your homework going and knowing that you have an idea that um is worthwhile running with um one that hasn't been done if it has been done then being able to intelligently speak into why that one didn't work or why you know why it worked and why you're merging maybe elements of something else that worked whatever it may be but like having a really comprehensive idea and knowledge of what exactly you're talking about you know in yeah. in its fullest sense so that's really imperative uh for a good pitch and um and yeah, and just and just and just knowing who you're speaking to, you know what I mean. Like speaking to the listening of the room is important, and because you know, if, if say for example you're going into VH1 with an idea that really is better suited for another network, uh, you know, if you're going in pitching like the Lincoln, you know, series talking about Abraham Lincoln or whatever, you're not going into VH1. So it's like there's that stuff that's kind of common sense, but then you'd be surprised how many people still uh, don't quite know where to pitch to. Um, so for me, like that that idea, the hidden camera show idea for Hot Girls Get Away with Shit, was born out of looking at the channel and saying, okay, if their demographic is young men from fourteen to thirty, and they don't have enough, like, I just, I just, I, th- I remember thinking, oh my god, for a channel that is skewed towards young males, they don't have enough hot girls on this damn channel. <laughs> because what do young male, males want to see? They want to see hot girls. Come on, let's be serious here. I'm sold. <laughs> so it's, it was that. It was it, so it was, it was actually not necessarily thinking of the show first. It was thinking of the channel the that audience. I knew I could pitch to easily. Yeah, oh, okay, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Knowing like I was already in bed with them with the Q side and saying, okay, what else can I sell with them? So let me just take a look at what they what they have. What are the shows on their channel? Right. And I just okay. So Hot Girls. That was the thing. I was like, okay, so we what could we do with Hot Girls? That's interesting. I don't want to do an obvious thing. And I thought, okay, well, what can I think about hot girls? Well, the, the, dy- the dynamic that they get away with shit is interesting. And then, so that's how the, the idea was born. Awesome. You know? So if, you, if, say, for example, you know you have um, a, de- a friend in development at VH1. I don't know why I'm referencing them so much. I don't even watch VH1. Um, but <laughs> if, say, for example, you have, I don't know, you have a friend over at NBC. And that's like your only contact in the business, right? Some people, they come to town and they know one person. So just know what they're, what they're working with, you know, what their interest is. And, you know, it can, you can figure that out, you know, whether it's looking at the, the programming grid uh, or having the conversation like, so, okay, what do you guys want to do next? You know what I mean? But, like, really understanding what they want. Because if you go in there just guns blazing with, like, what you think is hot and what you think they should have on their channel, I don't know if that's the most effective way to go about pitching. Wow, okay. Right. Okay. So wow. You're not, you're not taking into you're not taking them into into account. Mm-hmm. It's a very uh, sort of one sided, almost um, it's all, egotistical it's, way of going about it. You know, you're totally. just coming from your point of view as opposed to being like, it, you know what? <clears throat> what sounds interesting to me when you say that is like I feel like somebody who was really on their shit would walk into a pitch meeting with like three three completely fleshed out 
completely different ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then ask maybe maybe ask a question like that up front if they have a relationship with one of the people in the room. Totally. And they go, oh well, you know, we're looking at these holes in our programming, and then you go, oh, boom, and you just play that card. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah, totally. That's a smart uh-huh. way to do it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to pitch, but I mean, I think the bottom line is that you know you got to be somebody they want to do business with, you know? So if, if you can position yourself in a way, I mean, you know, this leadership course that um, we've all experienced now is a great platform to be able to figure out, like, what am I bringing to the party? You know, uh, yes, there's ideas. Yes, there's um, relationships and all that. But, yeah, what am I bringing to the party such that no matter what I'm pitching, they're going to be open to it, you know what I mean? Um, wow. that's, a, that's an important component of pitching because one can have a great idea and I've had a great idea that ended up getting run with at MTV. So this will give you some context for how this happens sometimes. And I'm totally okay with putting MTV on blast because they've been known to do this. I went in there. This is my second to last year at MTV. I think they, they knew they'd heard rumblings that I wasn't necessarily fulfilled there. I was thinking about leaving. Um, or maybe it was just me. I'll take responsibility for just maybe being the kind of guy, the kind of VJ that would roll in late sometimes, that, you know, uh, was seen around New York partying real hard. Wasn't necessarily synonymous in their mind with somebody who could produce a show. So I went in there with an idea um, for essentially a travel show that would be uh, via the artists that, um, you know, were known for, for example, Master P in New Orleans at the time, or like, you know, maybe Pitbull in Miami. Have a show where you would experience you know that city through Dude, the yeah, very personal hip-hop. perspective of an artist that grew up there it was known wow. for the city right yeah my block is what the show ended up being called and it was hosted by sway and the timeline i kid you not i mean there's another show too called master of the mix and so there's a lot of different bread breadcrumbs that lead back to these meetings that i had wow where i basically gave them these ideas but i was not really I was not a producer. I wasn't thinking like a producer. I didn't protect myself like a producer. I didn't set it up in a formal way where they knew that this idea was intellectual property that was not to be run with autonomous from me. So mm-hmm. they did take advantage of that. And that's how corporate culture works. You know, it's like, so you need to really know what you're getting into. Uh, this is not like a, you know, a PSA, but like it definitely is one of those things where. You know, be smart about it and know that if you're going to come in rolled up in like some like, you know, some some camo shorts and some, you know, Birkenstocks and you know what I'm saying? Like they might take you a little less seriously. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it might fly well at, you know, your your actor's rating, but it may, may not go over <laughs> well with the head of development at CBS, you know? So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's all, that all speaks to my point about knowing your audience, though, and really, you know, being smart about that and how you approach that. Mm-hmm. Um so while a lot of this is, it does seem like common sense, I, I really do feel like some people, they, they don't oftentimes uh, know how they come across, you know, wow. even how they, they uh, articulate their, their ideas, whether they're really hitting the points and like, right. you know, uh, so yeah, there's a lot to it, but at the same time, there's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's very simple when it comes down to it. Like, is your idea viable? Are you passionate about it? And do these people want to do business with you, with you specifically? Wow. See, so like what, that's so, that's so interesting because I never thought about that they would just kind of, you bring this idea to the table, maybe you pitch it really well and they're like, that's cool, thanks so much. 
and in their minds they're thinking, he's not really the guy we want behind this, but it's a great idea, so let's just take it. Mm-hmm. So how, do, how does one protect oneself in a situation like that? Well, you have you know certain people that you bring into the meetings, you know, whether it be your lawyer, whether it be your manager. I mean, ultimately, intellectual property is a very like slippery slope in terms of yeah. how um, there's hardly much recourse for it. You know, in terms of it being stolen, you know, because people can say, oh, well, I had a separate meeting with such and such, and that's where it was brought up initially. Yes, you mentioned it, but it just becomes murky. It becomes this he said, she said thing, and it's hard to qualify, and it doesn't hold up in court more often than not. So it's not even worth, like, you know, I can bring it up in an interview like this, but... I'm not going to go ahead and sue anybody about it. You know, I just, it's, it's, so it's, it's important just to know, you know, who you're meeting with, um, uh, and tee it up, you know, make it so that maybe you, you, maybe you do register with the writer's guild. Um, I know that's one, one layer of it. Um, but you know, if it's not a distinct enough idea, then they can claim that they've already got something in the pipeline. So there's just a lot of, I know this is becoming a convoluted explanation, but it's all things to consider, but not to hold you back. So it's just a matter of setting yourself up to win, really. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. God, we could talk for hours more, uh, but we're probably <laughs> just about out of time here. But um, we have two questions we'd like to wrap up kind of every sure. interview with. Two questions, yeah. The first one is, um, uh, do you feel like um, this business, this industry, this line of work, this career chose you or you chose it? Oh, wow. <laughs> I chose it. Really? I, think I chose it. I totally thought you were going to say the other but one. But I don't know. You know, it's like, it's funny. <laughs> don't change his answer for no, me. I'm not, no, but, it, it, but I, chose, <laughs> I chose it because I said yes, you know? I could have probably resisted. I could have probably, you know, when the modeling stuff started popping up, when the, you know, the opportunity to be on this radio show back in the day, I could have said, oh, wow, you know, what is that? I mean, you know, but. So in that moment, I chose it, but mm. I suppose no. You know, it's funny you, you do had you did have that inclination for a reason, and sometimes it's important to know that you know there's obviously an awareness that comes from being able to see someone from the outside in and mm. be able to see. Okay, well, I, I noticed that there's a lot of things coming to you, and certainly that's definitely something that's happened in my career. So an argument could be made for both because I do feel like I've been mm. really fortunate, and opportunities have made their way to me but i feel like you know every time it it ends up being you're choosing it yeah um because there's there's other things that i could have pursued you know what i mean i could have made a point of saying you know what yeah but my my mom really did care and you know teaching is a more direct kind of conversation Mm -hmm, to have mm -hmm. about impacting people um but yeah i think ultimately um it was a mutual <laughs> See, yeah, I was I was kind of alluding to the to the the kind of the the, the, the seven year old thing where you were like, mm. I want to make a difference. How do I do it? Uh, I do it, but like it seemed like that that was an inborn quality. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know certainly and a more fact, drive. The, yeah. the fact that the fact that my name um, has the history that it has that really informed so much of even what I'd wanted to do, you know, I, my mom named me after a hero of the Baha'i faith. Uh-huh. He was a martyr that died for the cause. You know, it's one of the 99 names of Allah. It means the man of peace, uh, means the holiest man in some tribes. And so it's a heavy name. And so I, I you know, I, that was part of why I changed my name or went with my middle name, right. uh, was because I felt like, you know, it wasn't an accident. You know what I mean? And a lot of people have a lot of you know, thoughts about you are what your name is, you know, certain, certainly it skews a bit of what your experience in life is. Um, but the fact that, you know, 
I think the fact that my mo- my grandmother was a World War II hero. And before it, my mom was a teacher and inspired me. My grandmother was a World War II hero. She uh, was part of the Dutch resistance um, when the Nazis yeah, invaded Holland. Yeah. And, you know, so that was something wow. that really, really had me thinking <clears throat> about, well, I'm, I'm in this legacy. Like, I, I am the product of a World War II hero and a teacher who, you know, laid their lives and hearts down for making a difference who am i to then pivot from that and say i'm just gonna make money or what you know what i mean like <laughs> i really took it famous. on yeah, yeah or i'm yeah. just gonna be famous and you know uh, riding a yacht all day i don't know what people do like that but you know it's like that so that's really ultimately i think what um what, what the turning point was i don't think it was any given opportunity that presented itself that really uh that's why i say i chose it because i feel like um but then again, it's like an argument. It's like a really, it's a yeah. very uh, existential crisis that I'm having <laughs> answering this question. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, you know, but uh, but it's a great thing, you know, to to have these types of conversations to really anchor yourself in, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, you know, what is really at work here? And uh, it's a beautiful thing, though, you know, regardless of how, you know what credit I'm giving the universe versus me. Uh, <laughs> but I do feel like I've been blessed. I've been really fortunate, uh, no question about it. And so. You know, I don't. I don't pat myself on the back more so than I give praise due up up top. You know, so I, I'd say it's it's definitely the uh, the, the the them choosing me. You know, the, mm. the powers mm-hmm. that be. So I feel very blessed. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And the uh, second question that we have is a little bit more direct, and you may have answered it. Uh, if you could just kind of chisel all your experience down into one nugget of advice that you would give to somebody, uh, just to pass on, what would that one thing be Woo. Mm. yeah i'd say just be be yourself and that obviously is like such a generic thing but you know when you're being true to yourself and when you're not when you're reaching for some idea outside of yourself so just really stay close to the vest and know that you know, your instincts, your gut are never wrong. Bam. <laughs> Boom. I was waiting for some kind of punctuation. I said it dramatically enough. I thought maybe some unicorns would run in the room. (laughs) Well, actually, the silence was the punctuation. Yeah. 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 Um, Wow. So, uh, Q, we didn't get a chance to talk a lot about, you know, your your philanthropy work. And we usually end every interview after our two questions with the question, you know, if people want to find out more about you, dot, 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 where do they go? And I know you're on Twitter and on Facebook and all that good stuff. But if people want to find out more about you and you want a chance to kind of – um, talk about or plug, you know, any anything that you're working on uh, in your philanthropy. I would love you to take, you know, that opportunity. This opportunity. Yeah, to do absolutely. That I'd love uh, for people to support what I'm doing with Generosity Water. It's an organization I'm on the board of. Uh, we do work in cl- getting clean water in uh, developing countries, and so uh, we've been building wells in Haiti and Africa. And uh, I went to Haiti last year and saw firsthand exactly what's going on. And uh, you know, it's 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 a lot to unpack, but certainly what we're doing in the realm of just allowing people to have clean water is a step in the right direction. So hopefully people can feel passionately about that. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of good stuff on my site. If they go to the QSide.com, 
uh, it's not just about me. It's about the, the world that surrounds me and, you know, the cool stuff I get to come across. And, um, you know, there'll, there'll be cool music videos, downloads, and uh, obviously a lot of different web content, visuals, uh, fun web series like Hot Girls Get Away With Shit <laughs> and, uh, and all kinds of other good stuff. So, yeah, and obviously on Twitter. Yeah, and I am Caduce is the uh, tag on that. Yeah, the web, your website's great. I stopped by there a few days to kind of see what's new, and there's always something. There's always some little kind of treasure to find oh, on yeah. that site. Thank you, just because yeah. it's like you said, it's not just about you. You're sharing like a lot of cool stuff that's really kind of rocking your world, and and so it, it provides a lot of value for anybody. Yeah, yeah it's know? fun. And then it just happens to be a great marketing tool because you get to be the person delivering that value. Totally, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's, I'm glad. I'm glad that that's uh, where it's gotten to. I mean, it's, you know, uh, it was funny. Let's just do a little sidebar. I remember being in a donut shop with my brother back in Toronto when I was thinking about doing a blog. Like, it was just the very, when blog spots were used, right? Yeah. Like, and before WordPress took off and, like, I was like, oh, I just want to have some place to put all the cool stuff that I come across. Because at the time, I was, you know, deep in being an A&R, so I'd get all kinds of new music sent to me and, like, all this stuff. And I was always, like, at cool events with my flip cam. And I'm like, I got to just put this stuff somewhere because I want my friends to be able to just have an outlet for it. And so I was like, Nate, what do you think I should call it? And so we went back and forth, and it was between cue me in like the pun, nice. cue me in, nice. or the cue side. And Nate was like, as he was eating his glazed donut, eh, I like the cue side. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that sounds good. All right. Nice. You know, my brother was the one who was ultimately nice. uh, the influence in the cue side. And That's now it's cool, the right? entertainment company that I run. <laughs> awesome. I love that. So your company is called the cue side? Yeah, the cue side entertainment. And uh, so now we have a couple shows that we're in the production of. And um, yeah, a lot more, a lot more to come. Oh, that's so cool, man. That's awesome. Well, Q, we will have to have you back at some point because uh, I know there's, there's a much more to, uh, to chat about. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Caduce. Um, God, he's such a nice guy. That man is going to be uh, delivering a TED Talk soon, so yeah, keep yeah. your eyes open. He is going to be huge. Literally, literally um, he's going to be delivering a TED Talk. Yeah, I mean, yep, he's working on it. Yep, he's yeah. currently working on it. Um, and then uh, his girlfriend, who we probably are going to have to have on the podcast someday, just booked uh, a pilot. She's going to start shooting at the end of the summer because she's, cool. uh, she's going to be blowing up pretty soon. So Awesome. You know what I, I really learn repeatedly from Q? How to just show up with a servant's heart over over and over and over again. I mean, he's a powerful man, not because he shows up and commands respect. He's so powerful because he shows up giving all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's he doesn't have an ego. I mean, really honored to have him on the show, and I hope that our listeners got as much from that interview as, as we did. I hope that everybody gets a chance to meet him someday. Pick of the week, my friend. So my pick of the week is called Falling Whistles. It actually was started by a, a few... Uh, uh, guys, uh, one of whom is a, a friend of mine. Um, his name is David. The story goes that they went to the Congo. They met uh, these young boys, these five young boys who had actually been um, child soldiers in the war there and uh, the civil war that's been going on there for a very long time. And um, they, it's been going on for so long that they're now using children, as happens in a lot of these wars in Africa. And the kids, they'll literally give these like six-year-old kids like a gun and send them to the front lines of this of this civil war. And they met these five child soldiers, and one of them uh, told the story of 
either he or a friend of his was sent to the front lines with nothing but a whistle and was basically told, like, if you see the enemy, like, blow this so that we know where the enemy is. But then, of course, that puts them in danger because they're making noise. And a lot of the kids were getting shot. That birthed this symbol, um, which was uh, this uh, falling whistle. So they're actually like these necklaces that you can get from their website. And all of the proceeds go directly to supporting ending the war in the Congo. So their tagline is a symbol of protest, a tool to elevate the conversation, a vote for peace in the Congo. Their website is fallingwhistles.com. You can go and check it out and learn more about the organization. And then, you know, buy a, a whistle. I bought one. Uh, a couple weeks ago um, and you know it was like 40 bucks or something like that and it's like something I now wear every single day and it gives me an opportunity to talk about you know what's going on over there it gives me an opportunity to tell people about it which is the whole point of it um, and the $40 obviously went to the organization itself to support them and what they're what they're up to so it's a growing movement um, it's really interesting they, they haven't been around very long but if you go to their Instagram feed so many celebrities have been seen wearing these whistles around mm-hmm. like they have a picture of like Beyonce walking around with a with a, a falling whistle necklace on 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 her so uh, anyway check them out fallingwhistles.com um, wow, um, that's a, that's that's amazing, man. I I didn't know the story behind. I knew I knew that it was a charity of some sort, but I didn't know that's what it was. Yeah, um, I feel so much more like accessible to this stuff now because I mean the workshop it really it just opens some stuff for me. So things like this, like they get me, like yeah. it gets me. I'm like I like. Oh, um, uh, dude, I I, uh, I could watch like a commercial and start crying <laughs> and just start, <laughs> just start sobbing. sobbing i'm like that's a good you know <laughs> you didn't get the burger like this well uh, no there's that one that's been uh, getting a lot of attention recently because of the damn racist youtube comments but the interracial couple the cheerios commercial have you heard about this no there's this youtube there's this uh commercial it's a cheerios commercial and there's an interracial uh couple with a little you know mixed child this daughter who's just gorgeous um and it's it like went on YouTube and got all these like it, it became national news because so many racist comments can you know were commented on the YouTube video. Um, it was just like really like that like we're what year is this? Oh, it's 2013 and we're still having this you know conversation. It just goes to show that like you know racism is still alive mm-hmm. and and thriving in this country. But it's the cutest commercial. She goes over and she her mom tells her that Cheerios are good for your heart. And, and the father wakes up, like he's sleeping on the couch and he wakes up and his chest is covered in Cheerios because she poured them all over his heart. It's like the sweetest thing. Like I'm going to start crying right now. Like (laughs) it's so cute. Yeah. Okay. Moving on, moving on. My pick of the week is the song Lotus Flower by Radiohead. Yeah, it is. (laughs) The music video. I, I brought this up in the training this weekend because this music video has been so affecting for me since I first saw it a couple years ago when it came out, but it's essentially five and a half minutes of Tom York just, just doing this like crazy interpretive dance. But it's all improvised, and he's just... I don't know if anybody listening to this has seen Radiohead live, um, but he just kind of convulses around the stage. (laughs) But it's the most beautiful thing because it's so pure. It's like he cannot control his body because the art is working through him so powerfully. That's kind of what it is when you witness it. And this video is like a kind of contained version of of that. And I, I've, I've watched the video over and over and over again. And I remember thinking when I was watching it, just, I wish I was that free. I wish I was that the, I wish I had the ability to, to be that expressive and just, just 
I, I wish I had that is essentially what I was just talking to myself about. I found it this weekend and I, I went back and watched this video again and I, and I just connected with it on a whole new level. Mm. And I just wanted to make that my pick of the week to share with our listeners who haven't seen it is a beautiful, I mean, for me, I don't know if anybody else gets, you know, my noodles always baked by these profound, sim, like these things that are just probably just everyday normal stuff for everybody else. <laughs> but this video was, was profound for me. So, uh, the video for Lotus Flower by Radiohead it is uh, a linked linked uh, on our website. We have uh, a few announcements that we wanted to make during this kind of outro section here. First off, next week we're going to publish the podcast on Wednesday instead of Tuesday, much like this week, because uh, we're going to be interviewing a woman named Faye Wolf, who's an actress and a, and a DIY musician, and I'm super stoked to talk with her. And, uh, we've had, uh, uh, you know, a few comments saying, Hey, you, you got a lot of dudes in the podcast and I love dudes, but like, would love to have a little female perspective dropped in there. And as we talked about, we're conscious of that, but we wanted to, you mentioned uh, that last episode, right? Yeah, we did yeah. talk about that. And, uh, and we knew that was the case and we felt the same way. It just wasn't working out with many females, um, you know, schedule wise. But uh, now we're going to make it work. Uh, so next week, uh, listen for Faye's episode on Wednesday. I also wanted to just take a quick moment to, uh, you know, ask our listeners that uh, to sign up for our email list. Pretty soon, we're going to be publishing the IAP manifesto. And all we're doing with the email list is just giving you information about the podcast and when a new episode comes out, that kind of thing. So hop on over to our website and sign up over there. It's free. Feel free to leave a comment on the uh, episode or, uh, you know... <laughs> Tell your friends about it or email us at uh, insideactingpodcast at gmail.com or even give us a call. 2132-ACTORS. That's 213-222-8677. And you can leave us a voicemail and uh, leave your questions, comments, criticisms, bribes, whatever you'd like on that line. And we'll uh, we'll play it on the air and get uh, your voice on here as well. Yep. And of course, uh, the other thing that's really important to do at our website is to uh, donate, kick us a few bucks, and uh, support the podcast. You can do so on a recurring monthly basis as well, which will make you what we call a patron. And you get a little blurb and your headshot on our website. Yes. And our undying gratitude for keeping the wheels on the podcast podcast bus going round and round because uh yeah shit ain't free y'all I, that was amazing <laughs> shit ain't free so uh the wheels on the podcast bus go <laughs> round and round. you know i should do the math but uh, the number of listeners we have versus the number of listeners who who actually contribute uh, i mean i guess it's probably about average but it seems really small so um <laughs> please guys if you get some value it's a great opportunity to focus out to create uh the energy of of giving into the world to open up uh, yourself for, to more for more abundance to flow in. Uh, so that, and you get to kind of help out a good cause. And um, we're looking to build in some upgrades to the show soon, but we can't do it without your hard-earned dollars <laughs> coming our way. Um, we're you know we're putting a lot of time and our money into this as well. So don't think that we're just looking for handouts, but it would go a long way if you guys could you know show us some love, some financial love. Facebook, Twitter. Inside acting at all of those. Um, you know where to find us. Yeah, and on iTunes, of course. Uh, inside acting, just do a search on there. Leave us a five star review if you dig the podcast. If you don't, let us know first why, and then uh, <laughs> let us fix it, and then go and give us a five star review. Actor rated, all that fun stuff. You guys know the job at this point. Um, is that it? <clears throat> uh, thanks. Big thanks to. Uh, yeah. Big thanks to our, our production crew, our growing production crew, which at this point officially consists of Jen Levin, our production coordinator, and Cesar Gamino, our technical producer, and uh, we'll soon expand to include uh, a web person that we both know. Uh-huh. Very excited about that. So it's really great to be building this team, having people on the team that really believe 
in the movement almost mm. of just actors just fucking getting real and I like it and and <laughs> just actors fucking getting real get, get it's, real, a, it's a movement man it's a movement, we're just man. getting real <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> so uh there it is man episode 107 of inside acting i'm trevor algott i'm aj meyer we'll see you next week and in the meantime 